Chapter 4 Micah Wallace, Idaho Winter 2034 The ride in the pickup truck from the checkpoint to the town of Wallace was cold, slow, and dark. This time of year, the roads were blanketed in snow. In the old America, rotating shifts of snowplows and regular traffic kept the worst of the ice off the treacherous asphalt. In the new American wasteland, amenities such as snow removal were a luxury saved for the larger population centers and eastern zones still held by the U.S. government forces. Micah had done his best to keep his eyes off of the tree line. Fearing the demons of the forest were still stalking him, he kept his gaze down at the floorboard of the Toyota Tacoma. Since they had passed the checkpoint, an uneasy quiet had fallen on the three novice crusaders. They were all that was left from the 7th platoon of the 2nd Boise Volunteer Crusade. Micah sat in the passenger seat of the cab, with Jonah driving and Adam keeping watch from the bed of the truck with his rifle. What should have been a quick mop-up of an Incoms militia in the Coeur d'Alene National Forest had become an ambush and nightmarish slaughter. In the original mission brief, the platoon was only expected to take minor casualties and return to base before sunset. Now only three of the original 42 crusaders remained alive. The sun was down and a storm was picking up. He felt psychotic, with both his traveling companions and the crusaders at the checkpoints regarding him with suspicion. They hadn't seen what he'd seen. Micah watched as Jonah's eyes darted from the road to the dashboard and back. The dashboard's bright green LED read 8 p.m. Jonah broke the silence first. We should have just stayed at the checkpoint, man. The snow outside flurried as if to emphasize the point while the truck lurched carefully through the snow. Micah's breath quickened. He could feel his chest tightening. Jonah continued. I don't even know if we're going the right way. I can't... Micah cut him off. Keep driving. I'm not staying out here. The air was tense in the cab, despite the frigid temperature. Both the young men were beginning to sweat. You don't give the orders here, brother. Jonah seethed. Micah fought the urge to grab him by the collar. He could feel the fear and rage rattling him to his core. The truth was, Micah held no authority here. Each of the boys in the vehicle only held the rank of recruit. What Micah did have was the Dominion's combat tenants. Steadying himself, he recited the same words they both were forced to memorize from their training. Tenant number seven, in the absence of a superior officer, we are to let God show us the way. This gave Jonah pause. Furrowing his brow, he rolled his shoulders as he continued to drive through the snow. Micah was able to regain some composure. A few minutes had passed before Jonah spoke again, this time quieter, almost a whisper. What happened back there, Micah? Micah let the question hang in the air. Brother, I need to know. Having to remember made Micah feel sick. 
slowly rocking himself forward and back in the chair. He did his best to respond. Honestly, Honestly brother, brother, I'm not sure. Disciple Sergeant Jones, Winter 2034, the Conoco gas station outside of Wallace, Idaho. Sergeant Jones stared out into the frozen darkness from the roof of the abandoned Conoco gas station. It had been just a few hours since the survivors from 7th Platoon had made it past his checkpoint, and the snowfall was becoming thick. They look like shit, the sergeant thought. What was his name? Micah? Micah had looked like bloody shit. The three of them were all scared out of their minds. It was contagious. The younger troops were already excited at best and anxious at worst. It at least made them watchful during their guard duty. Jones fished out a small, grungy pack of cigarettes from a utility pouch on his plate carrier. The packaging was dingy, but still firm. He smacked the pack in his palm, his eyes still scanning the abyss to his front. He thought about Ezekiel. Ezekiel hated cigarettes. He'd nag Jones and the other smokers about the importance of keeping the mind sober to make space for God. The old bear knew better, though. Knew better than to think he could keep soldiers from smoking. And now you're gone, Jones sighed to himself. The thought gave Jones a jolt of grief. Years ago, he may have felt it more, but he'd lost countless friends on the Crusades. He was numb to the death, but it still worried him. Ezekiel was a tough man, old U.S. Army. He wouldn't have gone easily, let alone gotten his entire platoon wiped out. He stared down into the cigarette package. Nine loose, sad-looking cigarette filters stared back up at him. He grasped the healthiest-looking one and inspected it. It was slightly bent around the midsection, and the wrapping job was pitiful. The cigarette itself didn't have any identifiable markings, save for a single crucifix printed on the wrapping paper. Made in God's country, Jones thought to himself. He hated the Dominion-made cigarettes with passion. In the early years, the Dominion had abolished production and distribution of any mind-altering substances. A total prohibition on all drugs. However, after some time, their need became apparent. Without opiates, surgeries became difficult. Workers did better with coffee, and soldiers needed cigarettes. So the Dominion learned to make their own versions of various substances with various levels of quality. Plucking the bent cigarette into his mouth, Jones could already taste the stale tobacco. Where there should have been some kind of rich, earthy taste, there was a sad, fungal, chemical sensation. It made him want to retch, but at least it was dry. Below him, he could hear the familiar sound of boots crunching on fresh snow. With the unlit cigarette still between his lips, he leaned over the waist-high sandbag wall they had built earlier that day. A boy in an awkward-looking uniform with a rifle longer than he was tall was cautiously looking around the gas station for something. Jones gave a cat-like hiss that was part whisper, part reprimand. It got the boy's attention. He stumbled, almost slipping on the snow, and then snapped his boot heels and gave a salute. Disciple Recruit Woodward reporting, Sergeant. 
Jones groaned. He hated this shit. He found the recruits straight out of their training to be so grating. He leaned over the sandbags once again, somehow both whispering and barking at the same time. Get your ass up here and quit fucking saluting. Jones hefted a ladder over the side for Woodward to grab. Woodward wasn't very coordinated, so it took a couple tries. When Woodward had finally ascended the ladder, Jones grabbed him by his back and sat him behind the cover of the sandbags. What was that for, Sergeant? The confused boy asked as Jones also ducked down into cover next to him. I told you to knock that shit off, Woody. Jones barked as he searched for the cigarette that had fallen from his mouth. Knock what off, Sergeant? Woodward asked hesitantly. The snowfall had made a small blanket on the roof of the Kanoko gas station. Just the perfect amount to hide a rogue cigarette. Uh, Sergeant? The boy asked again. Jones ignored him, his attention instead fixated on scanning for the telltale sign of an orange cigarette filter jutting from the snow. Realizing a better solution, Woodward instead retrieved his own pack of cigarettes and nudged the sergeant with them. Jones turned and swiped them like a hungry animal. They give these to you new guys? The jaded sergeant questioned. Immediately ripping open the seal on the pack and inspecting the Christian-made cigarettes inside, he plucked one out, viewing it closely while Woodward answered him. They give us a pack once we graduate disciple school, just in case we need any favors from veterans like you. Veterans. That word didn't sit well with Jones. Wouldn't recruits just end up smoking them? Jones plucked the inspected cigarette into his mouth, savoring the fresher flavors on the filter. Woodward looked awkward with the question. Well, yeah, but a lot of times, you know... Jones sat back down next to Woodward with his back to the icy sandbags. <sighs> they die. Jones let out a long exhale. That's what you were going to say, right? That they die? The kid, Woodward, looked miserable at the thought. Tears were welling up in his eyes, but he refused to let them roll down his face. Jones had seen this before. Joyous recruits full of faith and courage until they got to the front lines. Full of motivation until they got shot at or the first bomb went off or, worse, they lost a friend or dozen. He could always steel himself to the realities of being a soldier. But these kids they kept sending out, all they wanted was their mother. So what's your favor? Jones asked, desperately trying to break the tension. Woodward gazed up at him, his eyes still wet and a bit of a snot freezing to his nose. He seemed a bit delirious. Jones groaned. Ugh, the favor. You gave me the cigarettes, now you want a favor, right? This got Woodward back into spirits. I want you to teach me how to stay alive the boy said much too eagerly. Kid, I don't even know how to keep myself alive out here in this. You think I can teach it now? Jones replied in disbelief. This got Woodward excited. Yeah, they always talked about you in the dome. You and Ezekiel have gone on the most crusades from our deployment zone and survived. This irritated Jones. We're out here keeping the beasts away from the gates and they think we've got a scoreboard here? Well, Woody, hate to break it to you, but, uh, Ezekiel's dead, Jones spoke frankly. Woodward's face went pale. 
and his voice cracked without making any words except a meek, How? The shock on his face highlighted his youthful features. This kid can't be older than 16 years old, Jones thought to himself as he spoke. I guess that mop-up operation went bad. 7th and 15 platoons ran to something they weren't supposed to. Almost everyone's KIA. Jones looked over. Woodward was shaking, and he couldn't tell if it was from the cold or the little dose of reality he just caught. Jones scooted nearer to Woodward, tossed his cloak over either of their heads. It was uncomfortably close, but warm. Okay, so kiddo, first lesson, Jones whispered casually. Light your cigarettes under a blanket or something at night. That way snipers don't catch the lighter and get your position. The two soldiers, the novice and the veteran, shared the first of the precious few fresh cigarettes. Jones savored every moment of it. No mold. The tobacco hasn't gone stale. They're getting better at these. Jones casually spoke between exhales of smoke. Woodward was not having such an easy time. <coughs> he coughed and his eyes watered. The boy was clearly not familiar with tobacco smoke. His words came in rasps. I don't <coughs> know, Sergeant, he coughed. They all taste terrible to me. He retched with his hands on his knees. Jones got a clear look at the recruit with the moonlight starting to cut through the storm clouds. He was small and young. His uniform was much too big, and the ancient rifle slung on his shoulder towered over him. Given the nature of the disciple program, Jones made it a point to not get too invested in the disciple recruits, at least until they had survived a few firefights. Until then, they were a liability at best and future casualty at worst. How old are you, Woody? Jones asked, only half listening for an answer he already knew. Woodward finally recovered himself and stood. His full height was still almost a head and a half shorter than Jones. Sixteen this June, I think. Why? The kid soldier said, almost playfully. Jones groaned, pinching his brow with his frosty, gloved hand. Ugh. And that would make you fifteen, right? Youngest in the squad? Jones hated this assignment. Of the Dominion units, the Disciple Battalions were some of the most zealous and expendable available. After initial conflicts with the U.S. military, the Dominion of Latter-day Saints had lost significant numbers of fighting-age men. This required the Disciple Program to be implemented, a program to both fill ranks and rapidly get troops combat experience. On paper, it made some sense. Have combat experienced soldiers from the big wars lead teenagers into smaller ones. Eventually, you'll have combat veteran soldiers just barely entering adulthood. In reality, it just made a lot of kids dead. Yes, Sergeant, 15. I'm the youngest disciple in the battalion, I think. The kid stared at Jones, almost as if he was expecting some kind of praise, but was only met with a long silence as Jones lost himself for a moment. What was I doing at 15? Playing Legend of Zelda? Woodward broke his train of thought abruptly. What do you think got Ezekiel's platoon? The question sobered Jones and put a few drops of dread into the chemistry of his consciousness. It irritated him to be afraid. He turned that irritation on to Woodward. What the fuck authority do you have to ask that question, recruit? He bore down on the child soldier, causing him to seemingly shrink to an even smaller stature while also standing at attention. Woodward responded in such a panic he stuttered, I, I humbly ask for your, your grace and forgiveness, sergeant. Pitiful, Pitiful. Jones Pitiful. thought. 
He stepped back and helped himself to another cigarette, lighting it with the dying embers of the last one. You are forgiven, recruit, Jones exhaled after his first drag of the new cigarette. He looked the boy up and down. Poor Poor trembling little shit. shit. Jones decided to humor the kid. Why do you ask that question? Woodward looked down at his boots. He didn't seem to know how to put the words together. When his face returned to look at Jones, the fear was back. A lot of the guys are talking. His voice trailed off. Jones sighed, his patience for the kid becoming shorter and shorter. (sighs) Spit it out, recruit. Jones barked, causing Woodward to jump. His words sounded more like yelps than an answer. About demons, Sergeant. Demons. That word hadn't occupied Jones' attention in a while. It was taboo in the Dominions. Save for extreme scenarios or the ministries, certain terms were to only be used seldomly. Lots of superstition back home implied that speaking the word would invite demons into your home, ready to prey on the cracks in your faith. For the military arms of each dominion, the term demon meant something entirely different. You mean the special warfare groups? Jones mimicked the motion of sliding night vision goggles over his eyes. Don't you, Woody? The kid trooper simply nodded, seemingly slumping a little. Jones could remember that fear from the early days, when the first great Christian dominions had begun to rise and take military action. The fighting was hard, but God's chosen were brave. It was one of the first times that the U.S. military brought its weapons to bear on the dominions. But it wasn't the tanks, helicopters, or even drones that instilled terror in God's chosen. It was the special forces groups. They would stalk the night, silently and purposely, hunting for dominion units, leaving bloody destruction and sorrow in their wake. Entire platoons would disappear, others killed to the last man in their sleep with knives and axes. They were called many things back then. Dream stealers, nightmare reapers, but most often, demons. Jones tried to shake it off. Yeah, Woody, those guys are pretty scary. He tried to chuckle, but something caught in his throat. He cleared it. You fought them? Woodward asked decidedly. No, uh, Jones was stumbling for words. You don't have to worry about them here, though. They pulled out with the government, remember? There was a long pause, as if Woodward was digesting Jones's words. Sorry, I always forget that it's gone. The young soldier seemed to be at ease. You know, the government. You're better off without it, trust me. Jones finally sighed in relief. I don't need you idiots running around telling ghost stories. He slapped the teen on the shoulder. You've been slacking off long enough, recruit. Why don't you go relieve the roving sentry? Woodward appeared to be back in full spirits as he left the roof and descended the ladder. It made Jones proud to give the kid courage. What you got, Lope? The radio signal was hazy at best in the snow, but Lopez could just barely pick up the scout captain's voice on the receiver. 
Well, ma'am, visibility shit right now. The small scout was lying prone on a small berm, overlooking a pre-war Kanoko gas station. Tucked into his shoulder was a too-well-used Ruger precision rifle, mounted with a well-worn hunting scope. In the dark, through the optic, he could make out at least a single squad. The three technicals parked implied there might be more. The radio chirped again. Forward team. Scout actual. I need a report. Over. Lopez tapped his forehead on the rifle scope and sighed. Formal call signs meant Lilith was getting impatient. Scout actual. Forward team. Looks like one, maybe two rookie squads. They've got trucks with big guns, though. Please advise. Over. No response. Lopez looked over his right shoulder. Behind him, a fire team of Leviathan scouts was spaced out and giving him 360-degree security. He hissed at the one nearest, covering his right flank. When he caught their eye, he tapped his head. Com check? The scout clipped their radio send button twice, sending a chirp. Comms check good. Then Lopez's radio came back. Forward team, scout actual. Sit tight, I'm coming up there. Over. 